Annie McKenzie here, and you're listening to Freshman Founders, a podcast for people who are interested in starting their first business and want to know how it really works. Whether you're a business major, interested in the startup lifestyle, or passionate about making a particular change in the world, this podcast is the one for you. Hello, welcome to Freshman Founders. This episode is all about taking investment. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about what types of investments there are, whether you have to raise money, what you should be spending that money on. And there's a lot, a lot to talk about in this topic. So we're even going to split it into two episodes. One um, really kind of on the smaller side of raising money, uh, you know, doing this with your own funds or taking a loan and then all the way up to raising venture capital money. Really, the first question before we even jump in to all the different kinds is how much money do you even need to raise and what are you going to use it for? Um, Because taking someone else's money, no matter where it comes from, that's risky business and they know that and so do you. And so you want to make sure you've really thought this out. That's why you'll hear that magic word pro forma, financial statements, projections, really laying out all of your fixed costs and what you think you might need to be spending that on. And we talked a lot about, you know, your MVP and what you have, you know, the, the minimal thing you have to have to start making money. And so now that you can do that, you probably kind of know where um, you need to grow your business, how much you might need to raise, if any. Plenty of businesses don't need to take funding or don't need to go about the whole investing route. But obviously for bigger businesses, it helps. Um, Lots of businesses will take money at some point. So let's, you know, start with the first one. It's really, um, it's low barrier to entry and it's called bootstrapping. Bootstrapping is funding your business without taking investment. So bootstrapping is great for small businesses and people that might have, you know, a decent amount of savings and want to try doing something on their own. Um, You know, maybe they've had a career for a while, but want to do something kind of on the side that's for them and they have some funds to do so. Because you're spending your own money, too, you are probably going to be very frugal, uh, allows you to really learn how to budget. Cons of bootstrapping are obviously not everybody can do it. If you don't have the money, you can't just, um, you know, you can't go about that way. You might have to raise money. We were in the situation of being college kids. We certainly didn't have a savings account or uh, were in a place where we had, you know, any amount of money to really put into this. We've seen people, you know, take out of their 401k. We've seen people go against their mortgage. We've seen people, you know, wean off of that consulting job to move into full time, which is so incredible. So really, you know, bootstrapping can look like a lot of different things because everyone is different in what they're currently doing. But bootstrapping is self-funding your project to get it to the next step. The next type of investment you can take is family and friends money. So, uh, you know, you could probably guess that this would be taking a loan or a check or whatever it is the deal that you work out with uh, somebody that you know. We know plenty of people that have had an uncle that just believes in them and they, he gave them, um, you know, a small amount of money to get started. 
they may or may not expect something in return that just needs to be figured out before you take on the money. You'll hear a lot of these opportunities, you know, coming honestly over a Thanksgiving dinner where people are catching up, they're hearing what you're up to and they're like, oh, this sounds great. You know, I I have a, I could throw some money into this. And one thing is these people that are investing in your company, these family and friends, they're not typically accredited investors. They are not experienced in this and they see, you know, big dollar signs of what this could be to them. Um, Literally, I mean, an experience we had is we had um, a very inexperienced um, family friend investor come on. One thing he said to me was at um, after we had taken the investment, he was like, I can't wait to make millions of dollars off of this to, you know, get all my kids through school. And I was just like, oh my gosh, man, like that was like a very small check, (laughs) you know, and, and it's, it's, it's hard. And you, and we did put it in writing, but there's a lot I would have done on the front end. Had I known, I would have really managed expectations of what this actually means, would have gone through a lot of, you know, lessons with him and, and what to expect from us. But a way to really make sure that you are on the right track is always get it in writing, lay out all the clauses, and manage the expectations in the writing, which I had not done and I regret. So really, you know, make sure to not treat this like a Thanksgiving dinner napkin talk, but a real investor investing in your business. And what does that look like with a lawyer involved? The good things about taking money from family and friends is... You know, if you do have that relationship with somebody where maybe it's not even your first business or maybe you have worked together in the past or this individual really does just want to help you succeed and isn't expecting much in return and has the funds to not really worry about losing them, by all means, it's awesome. You know, if you can, if you have a relationship like that, definitely take advantage of it because... Um, not everybody does. Not everybody has people that can help them fund their project. So by all means, look for opportunities if you do think that they're available. And a part we didn't really touch on um, is, yes, you have to manage the expectations of the act of them investing and what to expect. But something to also manage within those is what is the relationship going to be like? You know, are they planning to be a silent investor um, where they just drop that money in and get a quarterly update from you? Are they looking to be more vocal, giving ideas because they're passionate about this? We um, urge you to not agree to that because you want to, you know, wait for someone who's really involved in the industry to give you that feedback. So really make sure they understand that you need to be, you know, 24-7 focused on your business. And of course, give them, you know, those updates and reviews on how the business is going. But It can take up a lot of your time trying to manage the investor's experience of how things are going. Another option you could take to get some funding is just taking a loan out. Um, You know, obviously this is not available to everybody if you don't have very good credit or maybe you have no credit and you're someone like chanting your eye and you are fresh out of school and probably would not get approved for a loan (laughs) when you've never started a business before. Um, But if this option is available to you, it's definitely worth checking out. If you have a specific 
large fixed cost, you might need to take out a loan so you can really start your business um, and get it up and running. A restaurant, for example, might have to take out a loan to uh, lease the space or maybe buy a large piece of equipment that you specifically need for your company. And something that I wish we had known about, I mean, it might... it probably still wouldn't change the fact that we would not be approved at the time, but didn't know at the time that there's a lot of banks that have very industry-centric, in particular, segments of their business that's really for a small business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, or in for our case, you know, uh, Regions Bank in Nashville has an entire music industry sector for banking where they really um, edit their model to work for musicians going out on the road, needing to make an investment on a tour bus or, you know, um, a music industry business that might be a little bit different um, than the, the normal thing. And since then have seen other small business focused banking, which can be really cool and useful to have someone on your level um, on the bank side to understand what you need. Banks are obviously very different from uh, human investors that you would be taking money from. If you, for whatever reason, can't pay the bank back, that money doesn't just go away, um, you know, unless you go bankrupt. But hopefully that's not the goal. And, um, you know, you can't really just have a heart-to-heart with the bank and say, Hey, I I just like can't pay you back at this time. They Oof, that scares me. <laughs> yeah, they would not really allow that. To be real with you, we honestly don't know much about this option, um, but we've seen people do it and succeed, and it's a great way to you know n- again not to have to give up equity. I mean, that's mm-hmm. huge equity at the end of the day, is everything to your business. And when you give that away, it's extremely hard, if not at times impossible, to get it back. And we as you know, first-time founders, we sometimes make the mistake at the very beginning. It's like, you get a car, you yeah. get a car, like, take it, go, free. Yeah. And Seriously. it's not. we didn't have any money to, to pay people to do stuff. So if you, you know, the first few people that helped us with our website have a piece of our company and that just sucks. I mean, it's, it's way harder to try and get equity back Mm -hmm. than it is to dish it out. That's for sure. Because I mean, you know, not to get too onto the tangent of, you know, equity and valuation, but it is, it is important. And we've been on the flip side of it now paying these people 1.5 or 2.5 of what they put in because, you know, of course the interest of it and what we're technically worth now And it's like this double-edged sword because when you go to raise more money, you are hoping that your valuation is higher, so it's less equity. But the people who already have equity then technically have more, and they're worth more in your company. So it's it's a really tough um, line to walk. So just be really careful. And that's why taking on debt, if you can ensure you can pay it off, is, in my opinion, the best way to go. And one one final thing to just be wary of that we've seen people really, um, you know, this is where they um, can succeed if they're careful about this is, you know, when you go into a bank and you maybe have a a newer idea or something that um, they haven't seen, you know, time and time again, like a restaurant, they've got that. They know what's going to happen. But you might have kind of a, a newer idea. They need to know that, you know, there is validity behind that 
and that there is a plan and a roadmap. And we've seen that, you know, if you bring in, um, you know, a board of advisors or people that have done it before, or maybe in a slightly different way, but they can clearly show what their pro formas look like and how they laid it out, um, much better chance of getting that approved. So just really make sure to have, you know, people in your wheelhouse that know how to do it um, when you go in there uh, to get that loan. There's also a lot of kind of unique ways to raise money uh, or to get even a small amount of money to just help you build your product, for example. Um, Crowdfunding is a great thing for businesses that appeal to a wide audience. For example, Kickstarter is a great platform that businesses can use if they want to, if they're maybe selling a product and they want to get a bunch of marketing and promotion for this product uh, before they actually start building it. So, you know, people can donate to something that they believe in. Um, You know, it's a really good way to get press and money to actually build and an interest to actually build before you, um, you know, you can get those confirmations of payment before you actually have to spend the money building whatever it is that you do. So there's a company in town called Artifon and they have, it's it's like a, (laughs) it's like a computerized instrument that can sound like any instrument. You can set it to make it be a guitar, a violin, a piano, um, synths. It's really cool. Definitely check it out if you're into music and, they're one of the most successful crowdfunded businesses. They had so many people actually pay up front, like pre-order their product before they even had to release it. So that was a great way for them to not only validate, but get the money that they needed before actually spending the money to build the product. I feel like crowdsourcing is an awesome option if you have like a, a cool product to promote. As a consumer, when I see a really cool product that I could put money towards to make it come to life and then I get one, I'm like, yeah, that's something for me. Um, like I remember I saw on Kickstarter this like floating Edison bulb. Like it was just cool. Do I need that? No. But did I think it was cool? Yes. Did I get on Kickstarter like five times to really consider to put money towards it? Yes. Did I finally? Yes. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm just, if you have a cool product, think about it. Another uh, source of funding, um, again, if you have uh, some great credit, I you know, can't talk about this from experience, but we have seen people um, really successful at it when they have, um, you know, a, a consistent cash flow running through is a charge card. And it's a lot like um, a credit card for a company. And it really just allows you to put on um, a lot more, you know, debt onto that card. We're talking, you know, like you can get up to $40,000, $80,000 onto this card. And it really helps businesses that have kind of a, a heavy flow of, you know, um, they have to, you know, put a lot of money down at the beginning of the month. Um, and then they'll, they'll get that in turn from their customers at the end. Again, um, that feels to me like you're playing with fire, but it's an option, um, and it can it can really work for certain companies that have that particular um, you know method of income input output. So just something to consider with different sources of funding. Another really interesting way to get money 
um, really more exposure than money is pitch competitions. They are super prominent all over the place. Every new conference usually has something with startup competitions or pitches. And a lot of times you can win really decent amount of money if you win. Um, there's one in Nashville called 3686. I think the winner won 30 grand. Yeah. Uh, if not more even. I mean, and that was only like competing with, there's 30 companies competing, mm-hmm. but maybe more actually. Man, I mean. No, 36. 36. 36, that, 86, right. That makes sense. And it's surprising because, you know, I think we're just so used to with our background that a pitch competition usually equates to equity mm-hmm. um, taken, but like you're saying, there's a lot of them that it's just money on the table yeah. for your taking. Like I just got an email uh, this morning um, that from Launch Tennessee, and there's a pitch competition um, going on, I think, in Knoxville for $100,000. Yeah. And only six companies are pitching. Of course, I'm sure they vetted that way down, but hundred grand. I mean, yeah. that's, that's like, <laughs> that's what, yeah. you, that's more than what you'd be raising on this level. Totally. Yeah. So definitely just do some research looking for those opportunities in your area because it's almost always you don't have to give up any equity. You're getting a ton of exposure, even if you don't win. And obviously if you win, you're getting cash. So that's really, you know, it's a win, win, win situation. <laughs> and one more thing, actually going off of that, um, Something that's really benefited us by going to when, I mean, we applied to so many different pitch pitch competitions. Honestly, something that even if you don't win, a great opportunity is, so you apply for these. They're typically held at conferences, usually um, all throughout the U.S. And, you know, what's awesome is if you get accepted to come and pitch, yeah, you're going to meet awesome people. You have the opportunity to win a ton of cash. Third, you get free conference passes i think mackenzie and i together have probably saved like 40 grand when it comes to conference totally badges there's so many ways to go for free oh just by ridiculous either either giving giving a few hours of your time or you know doing the pitch Yeah, yeah i feel like we've never paid for a conference and you shouldn't there are so many ways to go about it um and also uh with the conference um, think about all the people you're going to meet. And those are potential investors. I was really impressed when we went to Collision in New Orleans uh, two years ago. Um, I mean, it was they were so f- hyper-focused on entrepreneurs over here, meet potential investors over here, go. And, you know, there's only so much you can really vet that to ensure that the investors are actually interested. But, I mean, those are quality people that you're meeting. And a lot of conferences are starting to go that route. So we've really only begun to scratch the surface with raising money. So next week, we are going to talk all about bigger types of investments. So angel investors, venture capitalists, syndicates, funds. We're going to talk a little bit more about taking on that bigger chunk of change (laughs) and the pros and cons of doing so.